Hey everybody, we're on a series of lessons called A Man in Christ. Anybody getting tired of it? Come on, no, we've been on this thing for weeks. I think it's almost four months now, or a little over four months around that time. We're digging wide, we're digging deep, we're digging broad, and we're just letting God fill our ditch. Come on, somebody, with rain and water from heaven. And I believe we're growing spiritually. We're hearing what the Word of God has to say about our position in Christ. We got the phrase, a man in Christ, from actual 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We talked about it months and months ago. That Paul says, I knew a man in Christ, whether in the body or out of the body. I don't know. God knows. He was caught up to paradise. He also says he was caught up to the third heaven. He heard things. He saw things. God started speaking to him. So from that phrase, a man in Christ, we found out that there's about 120, 130, uh, maybe more uh, uh, phrases in the scripture that talk about who you are in him. It says, and it uses the phrase like in the New King James, in him, in whom, by him, by whom. When you find those scriptures, you need to, you, your spiritual antenna needs to go up to say, okay, he's talking about who I am now, not in myself, not in my past, not trying to be who I am currently right now in Christ. And when we live our life, when we live our life apart from the understanding that I'm in Christ, our life will not be good. You'll be going into works. You'll be going to trying to get God to hear you, trying to live out what God's called you to be or called you to do, and you'll not rest in the, in the realization of the finished work of who we are now in Jesus Christ. L listen, somebody said, you're either in Christ or you're going to be in a crisis. And I don't know about you, but I want to live my life in Christ. Can you say amen, everybody? Let's look at the scriptures. We jump into this today. What we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to read this one portion of scripture that, that is the only way anybody can get saved. It's going to be familiar to some of you Bible readers. But then we'll look at what the New Testament says about what Jesus is doing, what he's doing, because it's very important about if we can find out what he's doing, what he's done, and what he's doing right now. It's, he, he, again, we said already many times today, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So if he did it then and he's doing it now, uh, he's going to do it for me. So, so our faith can rise that God's going to be working for us and he's going to be working in our behalf. In Romans chapter 10, verse 6, check it out. Romans chapter 10, let's read four verses. He says this. Paul writes to the church at Romans and he says this. But the righteousness of faith speaks. Notice this. The righteousness of faith speaks. Faith has a voice. Faith speaks. you got to know that. It speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart... Who will ascend to heaven, that is, bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? What does the word of faith say? What does it say? The word is near you. Come on, would you say that with me? The word is near me. It's near me. The word is near you. How, how, how is the word near you? Look what he says. In your mouth and in your heart. We, we've talked about this before when we talked about faith. We've talked about before when we talked about it in this series. Is that the word of faith, the word of God, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ has got to be in two places. It's got to be in your heart and it's got to be in your mouth. It just can't be in your heart. What's in your heart, we know out of the abundance of the heart, Proverbs says, your mouth is going to speak. Whatever is in abundance in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. You can always tell whatever anybody's dealing with because they're talking about whatever they're dealing with. 
I'm fearful, I'm, 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 uh, I'm scared, I'm nervous. I don't know. It might come off not with some of those same words, but the gist is true. Whatever is in your heart in abundance is going to wind up coming out of your mouth. I don't believe I can. I'm not good enough. Uh, I, don't, I, I can't take that advance at job. I don't have the education or whatever it is. Whatever is in you in abundance is going to wind up coming out of your mouth. The scripture same, is the same spiritually. Whatever, that's why it tells us, the word's near you. How close? The, the word needs to be in your mouth and in your heart. He says, this is the word of faith that we preach. And then he tells us how we get saved. If you're going to believe, he says, if you excuse me, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. The way we get saved is there must be confession. There must be a speaking. It's not, it's not just confession going to a confessional, as some of us have done. It's not going to confessing our sin to somebody else. It's confessing the lordship of Jesus Christ. If you believe, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He tells us in verse 10, for with the heart, what do you do? One believes unto righteousness. We found out what righteousness means. The sense that the ability to stand in the presence of God without the sense of sin, shame, guilt, or inferiority. We have the ability to stand. So, so the scripture says our heart's going to believe that when I confess, when I believe in my heart, and I confess with my, with my mouth, I, I, I've got a place to stand with God without the sense of I, I don't belong here, like a red-headed stepchild, if you will. I, I belong with God. I, I've got connection with God. And my mouth now is going to bring forth confession unto that salvation. Your mouth is going to continually bring forth the confession of your salvation. Your salvation, listen to me, just doesn't rest with God. Your salvation or your deliverance rests with you in your mouth. So if you want to change the scenery of your life, if you want to change the trajectory of your life, if you want to change what's going on in your life, the scripture is clear. How you begin your journey with Christ is you believe in your heart what the scripture says and you say it with your mouth that you now believe in your heart what God said about whatever it is, peace or joy or your marriage or, or forgiveness or whatever's going on in your life, you believe what he said and you get that word in your mouth and salvation or deliverance or change is getting ready to happen in your life. Can somebody say amen? amen. Last week we talked about that a man in Christ is not under anything. We're not under the dominion of anything. We're not under the authority of anything or anyone. We're not under the sway of the world or the course of the world. We are under and in the kingdom of God. It's got different rule. It's got a different authority. It's got a different God, of course. It's got a different focus. It's a kingdom of light, not a kingdom of darkness. It's a kingdom of peace, not a kingdom of confusion. Come on. It's a kingdom of rest. It's not a kingdom of wrestling, trying to make something happen. Happen. I'm just trying to get a hold of God. No, God already got a hold of you through Jesus Christ. Come, come on, right, everybody? So, so, so I'm going to believe that. I'm going to believe that. And I'm going to let my mind continue to speak that. I'm going to get, get my thoughts lined up. I'm going to renew my mind to that. I'm going to get the word of God hidden in my heart. And I'm going to keep, keep basking in it and keep speaking it, declaring what God said. Now, now We've read this before, but the book of Colossians says and told, told us this, we read it maybe last week, is that we already have been delivered. We, we already have been redeemed. We already have been transferred into the kingdom of God. It, it's a done deal. 
It's a done deal. I'm not trying to be transferred. I'm not trying to be redeemed. I'm not trying to work up my way to one day when I know enough of the word, all of a sudden there's a click and I got it. No, you got it right now. The minute you said yes, the minute you repented, change your mind, change your direction, the minute you said yes to Jesus, the minute you confessed him as Lord, come on, he transferred to you perfect righteousness, perfect soundness, come on, perfect wholeness in your life. Now it's up to you to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen, everybody? Uh, so so uh, just look on the screen. I wrote this down so we'll all we'll be on the same page. Is that God's kingdom rule? Come on, God's kingdom rule, God's kingdom reign, we might have said this last week, is activated. It's activated by your entrance into his life by being born again. We talked about it, but by, by, by out, of, out of Adam, come on, we were born in Adam, we identified with Adam by being human beings, but now we're identified with Jesus Christ. So, so the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God, now is going to be activated in my and your life by entrance into this new life, by being born again, and by your acknowledging it. By your acknowledging it. That's why we talked about that scripture for such a length of time a couple weeks ago from Philemon chapter 6. That I got to acknowledge every good thing that's in me in my identification with Jesus Christ. That now I'm identified with him. He's my father. Listen to me, we could say it this way and not disrespectful. Jesus is my big brother. He's the firstborn of many. He's our big brother. Our, 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 your big brother just happens to be King of kings and Lord of lords. Come on now. He's Jesus. He's Lord. He's gone before you and will continue to go before you. And so now we acknowledge every good thing with, that, that's within us. But what does the devil do? The devil and the world and the flesh and sin, again, the old nature, wants us to identify what we're not. Wants to, us to identify the, 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 the divide or the lack or, or wants us to, to, to divide the skin color or the socioeconomic status that we're in or not in. That's the flesh. Listen, get out of the flesh, get out of the world, and come on, get into who you are in Christ. Right? I'm a new creature in Christ. I identify with that. I'm going to believe what you said. I'm going to have that word in my heart, and I'm going to begin continually speaking it out of my mouth. Now, this scripture that we just read, what Paul wrote to the church, he said this. The verse said, we don't bring Christ down. We don't go to heaven and bring Christ down. And we don't go to the abyss and bring Christ up. And so there's all kinds of ways you can interpret that, but one thing just very simplistically that I like to think about for myself is that we don't, we, we, we don't try to bring Christ down where, where you've heard, maybe you're here this morning, you've said it, you probably should stop saying it, I just wish Jesus were here. I just, I just wish you'd just come back. If you came back and just touched me late, if you just, if you, oh, I just, he, he already came. He ain't coming back like that. He's coming back, but he's not coming back like that. <laughs> or, or, or uh, 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 you know, I, 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 just, I just wish I'd ascend up. I, I, just, I just wish I could go up. And, and, and when, when, I, when we all get to heaven, oh, what, what a day of rejoicing it will be, which is true, 100% true. But, but that mindset is, I can't have heaven until I go there. And Jesus said, even in the Lord's Prayer, come on, Matthew chapter 6. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on. God wants his kingdom rule and reign 
done in your life just like it is in heaven. So, so, so we don't need to rise. We don't need to go up to try to bring Christ down. We, we don't need to bring him up and, and try, to, try to be something. No, no, no. We just need to believe the word of God, trust the word of God, uh, acknowledge the word of God. I acknowledge everything that's in my identification with Christ because evidently that's all I need for victory in my life. Or else you would have given me something else. Amen. Now, we, we talked about it, that God's word, come on, through the, or Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, now lives in every one of us. And God's dominion and his power to overcome every sing, single situation has already been deposited within your spirit. You need to unlock it. You need to unleash it. You need to believe it. You need to water it. You, you need to, come on, the Holy Spirit it is in your spirit. He lives in you. Come on, come on, he's dwelling in you. So again, one more time, you don't need to go up and you don't need to have somebody come up. You don't need to rise up. You don't have him come down or you go up. Listen, you've got everything you need right now for a victorious life in Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? amen. And again, we said this before, but just way of reminder because we always want to be reminded, I think, is that it's got nothing to do with how you feel. It's got nothing to do with your five physical senses, with what you see, what you hear what you sense, come on, what your feelings are telling you. It's got nothing to do with your past. It's got nothing to do with the current economic situation or the sway of the world or the undercurrent of the world. God's word is settled. His word is working. For whoever wants to work it, whoever wants to believe it, in any situation, in any age, whatever age you are, whatever, wherever you've been, the minute your mind connects with your heart and you begin believing what God says and speaking it out of your mouth, your situation is changing. Well, I don't feel like it. And I just wish, you know, like, like when I pray and it would be like, you know, ha have, to have the band up here and somebody like, I, I just need to run over here and have that revival person pray for me. Who where did you get that from the word? You got everything you need. You don't need to chase and go from town to town and, and praying for somebody else to prophesy to you. Come on, they will prophesy to you. Come on, somebody. You need to believe the word of God. Trust the word of God. Come on, somebody. Shout yes to the word of God. Come on, every day just get up and just say, the word is working mightily in me. Come on, everybody. The word, the effective word is working in me. Come on. Am I talking to the right crowd? Come on. So what I want to do is, for the next couple of moments that we have together today, what I want to do is I want to, the thought is now, okay, so Jesus was here. He was here, you know, for about 33 years or so, most believe. About three years or so, three and a half years, he was preaching, praying, prophesying, you know, healing the sick and all that. And then he went to heaven. And now, is that all he's doing? Is he done? I mean, we know he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, but is, it, is he up there like me? Is he on Wordscape, kind of going crossword puzzles, and he's kind of, is that what he's doing? Uh, let, let's find out what he's doing. Because if we can find out what he's doing, and what the, listen, specifically what the New Testament says he's doing, then listen to me, he's still doing it. He, he's still doing it. Are, are you ready to go? Uh, we're going to look at these. We're going to look at five things because they're all interconnected. Come on, five. Come on. You're ready for five things this morning. I know I'm talking with a bright cr crowd on a Sunday morning this morning. First thought, number one, Jesus is our intercessor. Come on, say it with me. Jesus is our intercessor. 
Now, intercessor isn't just talking about, you know, what we talk about. You know, we don't, we don't really even really mention it much. I mean, even you know, a type of prayer, intercessory prayer. But, but the, let's look at what the scripture says and let's look at the definition of what this actually is. Is that an intercessor is a go-between, is a go-between. Someone who stands in the gap for someone else, for another. Is that this is who Jesus is. Jesus is acting right now, we'll read a scripture, as our intercessor. He's our go-between. Go-between between who and who? Go-between between God the Father and you. He stood and he still stands in the gap for all mankind. An intercessor, I love this, he falls in the same place you're in. He comes, listen, they meet you where you're at, not where you should be. An intercessor consistently comes to help you. So, so, so an intercessor isn't saying, come up here. An intercessor is saying, I'm going to you. An intercessor is, is active, not inactive. They're active. They're, they're continually looking. They're continually interested. They're continually concerned. And an intercessor, again, falls in the same place with you. An intercessor is not coming by saying, saying, oh, why are you in that pit? Why are you in that pit again? Why do you keep tripping over that log? That's not an intercessor. That's called an accuser. An intercessor who Jesus is, is a go-between who continually comes and says, you fell again? Let's get you out of there. Let, let, let's get you over this problem. That's what an intercessor is. They consistently come to help you. Listen, Jesus is your intercessor. The minute you believe he's done with you, the minute you believe he's through with you, the minute you believe that God, I've done something to distance myself with God and there's no getting back, you're listening to the voice of the devil. He is the intercessor who always will be, who's consistently kind and generous and benevolent and forgiving and giving and wonderful and full of peace and joy and glad you're there no matter what. So the minute you and your mess, can I say it this way? The minute with all the vomit of life and the sin and the, and the shame and all the stuff we've all been, the minute you just say, I'm done with this, I need you, the intercessor comes running. Come on, let's clap and say thank you for that. Yeah. Let's read a scripture. Hebrews 7, 25. Therefore, he, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost. Check out these different words. Completely, perfectly, finally, and for all time and eternity. Those who come to God through him. Notice again. Those who come to God through him. Since he, Jesus, is always living to make petition to God and intercede with him, with God the Father, and intervene for them. This is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is our intercessor between you and God. He's able to save you. To save is an interesting word. It's a very expansive word in the, in the original language the Bible was written in. It means he's able to deliver you. He's able to heal you. He's able to protect you. He's able to preserve you. He's able to provide for you. He's able to give you soundness and wholeness in your entire life. Jesus is standing in the gap, interceding for you. He's praying. 
He's intervening. He's petitioning God for you. He's very active for you. How long is he doing it? We just read it. To the uttermost, for all time, for eternity. He's doing it perfectly. He's doing it, he's doing it completely. And we read the only requirement, the only requirement to receive this, we read it one more time, is that you have to come to him. Jesus already, God already came to you through Jesus coming to the earth. Now you have to now turn and come to him. The minute you come to him, the minute you turn to him, the intercessor is coming, running to you. Come on, somebody say amen, amen, amen. So i got to be humble enough to say I need some help. Come on, I, I humble myself under the mighty hand of God, and the scripture says he's going to lift you up. That is the work of the intercessor. Come on, he's going to lift you up. Come on, that's a God word again today. He's going to lift you up. Come on, God's trying to get that to somebody today. He's going to lift you up. Come on, somebody, say it with me. He's lifting me up. Jesus is our intercessor. The second thing that we find in the scripture is that Jesus is our advocate. Come on, say it with me. He's my advocate. He's my advocate. I love, I love the thought and the, and the definition of who the advocate is. The advocate is like a defense lawyer. He's like a defense lawyer defending the rights of another person. That's what it is. That scripture, or just the definition of what an advocate is, is that they, they know all the pro procedures, they know all the policies, they know, they, they know all the protocols of the legal system. Uh, you, you know, if you've got a case and you've got somebody who's bringing suit against you, or you've got somebody that, 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 that has wronged you, I, I, would, I would strongly suggest you don't try to go represent yourself. I would strongly suggest that you get an advocate. You, you get a good defense lawyer. You get somebody who knows the protocol, knows the procedures, knows how the court operates. Because if you go there, you're going to be a buffoon. And you're not going to know. And the judge is going to th probably throw your case out. There are rules. There are protocols. There are things in the spirit realm and in heaven that, listen to me, and defending you and defending who you are and bringing your defense before the accuser, the brethren, who, who Satan is, that, that, that you need a good lawyer. Come on. You, you, you don't need, you, uh, what, what we can say is that the devil is like a, the devil is like a, a prosecutor. Come on, he, he's trying, trying, trying to prosecute you. And Jesus is our great defense attorney. Come on, everybody. <laughs> Saying, let, let me tell you, let, let me just give you one word, devil. We plead the blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody. I took, I bore, I removed their shame, their guilt, their sin for all time. Come on, somebody. Amen. So come on, that's who we are. So we can stand in the presence of God. We have access and rights to all that heaven has because of the blood of Jesus. And we need a good advocate, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. An advocate, I love this definition. An advocate is someone who's summoned to another side to aid and defend them. They're summoned to another side. So, so again, you, you know, like, like, like we know some of y'all have been in some trouble before, and you couldn't afford an advocate. You couldn't afford a lawyer. Don't raise your hand, but, but, but that's okay, because uh, we've all been somewhere. And so what, what, what happens in the court system is that they appoint you a lawyer. They appoint you an advocate. Come on, somebody. Amen. They appoint, come on, we have got the greatest advocate of all time that has been appointed to every believer. The one who is our intercessor. The one who will come down and lift us up. The one who will plead our case before God and say they're redeemed. Come on, they're delivered. They're saved. Come on, they're healed. They're blessed. Come on, they're highly favored. Come on, everybody. Man, 
the advocate. It's just amazing when you start looking at this word naturally and how Paul was using this word in the early church and John was using this word and the understanding of it is that the advocate brought strength and wisdom and knowledge and understanding in that legal system so that they could win every case. Listen to me. The key for your and my success, one of them here today, we're talking about it. Listen to your advocate. Well, I just feel like, you know, I mean, you've seen, you've seen the TV shows. I love the good, you know, the killer shows and all that stuff. I love that stuff. And there's the guy, and he's talking to the person across, and he goes like, well, you know, I just feel like... And the lawyer's trying to get him to reason and trying to think, and, and I'll handle this. Yeah, you know, eh. listen, get all that out of you. Believe what the advocate says about you. Say, I rest my case on what the advocate says. I say yes to him. I say yes to his way. He's defending me. He's got a way to get me out of this situation. Thank God for my advocate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's scripture. Come on, here it is. Let's give you the word. 1 John 2, 1. My little children, these things I write to you, John says, so that you may not sin. Come on, it's not good to sin, but we all do. But thank God when we do, check it out. If anyone sins, we have an advocate. Come on, say it with me. I have an advocate. I got an advocate with the Father. Who is it? Jesus Christ, the righteous. Not a man, not an angel. Jesus Christ. The righteous. So when we start hearing the condemning sentence, when we start hearing the guilt, when we start hearing the, the, the fray and the, come on, the, the hyena howling in, in your mind of who you aren't and what, what, the accusations of the enemy, come on, we plead the blood of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over our, over our situation. And the advocate goes to work. And the advocate then cleanses and delivers us and gets us thinking clearly. And our voice, our, our, we start hearing his voice clearer and clearer and gets us thinking in line with the wisdom and the plan and the purpose of Almighty God. Jesus is our intercessor. Jesus is our advocate. Listen, he's working right now on your behalf. He's very alive and very active for you. Third thing is that Jesus is our high priest. Again, these are all connected. Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is the high priest of our confession, the scripture says. I love that thought. Of our confession. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. Therefore, holy brothers, partakers, notice that word, a partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. Consider him. Come on, everybody. Consider him. We're partakers. We're partakers of the heavenly calling. That Jesus is now our apostle. He's the sent one. He's gone before us. And he's our high priest. He's the one that represents us to the Father. The Old Testament high priest, they would come before, before God always with the sin offering. Now Jesus comes before the Father with the sin offering of his own flesh of his own blood, of his own sacrifice. Not with the blood of bulls or goats or rams or anything like that. It's of his own blood. Now he defends you by his own life with the blood. The high priest is presenting and bringing these offerings and these sacrifices to God. And again, one more time, it's him. It's his body. It's his life. It's his blood. And our confession of it releases the power of it to you. It's there. It's always there. It's always active. It's always more than we need. 
our confession of who the high priest is, of what the high priest has done for us, of his, of his love for us, of his kindness for us, of his generosity to us. Whatever the word of God says he is, he is for you. Again, whether you feel like it, look like it, been away from God, or you've been serving God for a long time. Maybe you've got the older brother, prodigal son, and older brother mentality. I've been serving God for a long time, and the father wouldn't even give me a young goat. And here you are, dad, look, look what you did for that person. They've been out smoking and shacking and chasing and drinking and, and busting and you blessed them. You gave them a new job. You killed the fatted calf for them. What about me? Maybe you got a warped idea of who your daddy was or is. How about you just say I believe in the intercessor. I believe in the advocate. I believe in the high priest and I'm going to say what you say that my God you're good to me. Come on everybody. You're working for me. You're changing me. You're working around me. And I'm going to start enjoying the goodness of God. Come on, somebody say amen to that. I've told you before, uh, I'm 63, one of, one of three boys. My mom and dad had three of us all one year apart. And my dad loved the outdoors, loved to do stuff, loved to go to baseball games, loved to go fishing, loved to go hunting, loved to do anything. And so my, my younger brother, you know, my dad would come to all of us, just like a good dad, and say, hey, um, uh, uh, I'm going to gonna go fishing. And, and, and who wants to go? And my younger brother, eh, you know, my older brother, eh. I was like, I want to go. I want to go. Because at least I'm hanging with my dad. I know he's paying for everything. We're going to fun. Come on, somebody. He's a good, good father. Come on, somebody. Hey, you want to go to the football game? Yes. <laughs> you want to go hunting? Want to go shooting guns? Yes. You paying for bullets? Yes. <laughs> Come on, man. Ammunition's expensive now, I hear. <laughs> right? And so, so, so how about you just be the person that says, Lord, Whatever you got, whatever I see, I want it for me. I want it for me. I want you to be able to use me. Not just all for me, but for people that, you know, people that I love, people that you love. Listen, we know this. We just read it. We're partakers or participants of what belongs to us, listen to me, through our confession. Our confession of who Jesus is, who Jesus is, and what he's done for us. Your confession unlocks the power of the high priest. So, speaking in agreement with what his word says about you or your situation releases or stops the power of Jesus, our high priest. Confession means to say the same thing. You don't got to get tricky. You don't got to get, you don't got to know anything. You just got to know how to read. But you got to know how to believe. You got to know how to believe. I believe that. I believe that. I'm going to say, say what Jesus says about you. I got the mind of Christ. I got the mind of Christ. I walk in the peace of God. I'm not anxious. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, I'm going to let my request be made known to God. And your peace is going to come on me and change my situation. That's what I say. That's what I say. So, so your confession releases the power of what he has done and what he's currently doing. Do not agree with the adversary. Agree with your high priest. Amen, Amen everybody? Amen. Come on. I love the scripture. I think I said a couple times already today in just worship time. Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 1.12. He says, God, speaking of God, I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it and perform it. I am actively. I love that word, actively. Come on, say it with me. Actively, actively, actively. I am actively 
watching over my word to perform it. So, so, so what's he watching over? Listen, he can't watch over what you don't acknowledge by speaking. He's not watching over, just watching over any word. Yeah, yeah, the word of God. Yeah, his purpose. Yeah, his plan. Yeah, his assignment for the world. But listen, specifically for you, how do I get God to show up right here in my, in Chula Vista, right here in my situation? How do I get God to show up in my circumstance? He's watching over his word to perform it. He can't perform anything unless you acknowledge it by speaking. So, so listen, um, you, you, you're going you're gonna to be beating your head with a two-by-four if, if, uh, if you're trying to get your mountain to move and you're not speaking to it. You are going to be a frustrated believer. I don't know why this thing, how come it moves? How come, how come this is going on for so long? The scripture says, you say to your mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and don't doubt in your heart but believe that what you continually speak to it, that mountain is coming to pass. You'll have whatever you say. Speak the word only. Come on, speak the word only. Come on, two more. You got two more in you? Come on, Jesus is our shepherd, number three. Jesus is our shepherd. What's that mean? We find out what he's doing right now. Jesus is continually leading. He's continually feeding. He's continually guarding. He's continually protecting his flock. His flock's the church that hasn't changed. Psalm 23, y'all know it, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I don't lack for anything. How about you say that? The Lord, uh, come on, the Lord's my shepherd. Come on, say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I do not lack. Come on, I do not lack. How many know that's a God word at the, at the gas pump? God, come on, that's a God word. That's a God word when you're trying to buy a house right now. Come on, that's a God word. Come on, my God shall supply all my need. Come on, my God shall supply all my need. I love it. Come on, I love it. My God's going to supply all my need. He's my shepherd. He's going to take care of me. He's leading me, guarding me, guiding me, protecting me. Hebrews 13. Come on, just two more scriptures. Hebrews 13. Look at this, verse 20. Now may the God of peace, he's a God of peace. He brought up again our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep. He's still the great shepherd of the sheep. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. There's his blood again. What's this, what's this great shepherd of the sheep doing for you? He's making you complete. Making you perfect. Maturing you in every good work. To do his will. He's working in you what's well pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ. So how about maybe tomorrow. Whether you feel like it or not. Thank you great shepherd. You're working in me today. You're making me. You're, you're, you're working. You're pleasing work in me today. Everything that I can do to will and to work for your good pleasure, satisfaction and delight. And you're doing it, Father God, through Jesus Christ. He's always at work in you. He's always at work. He's never not at work in you. He, 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 goes, he, he goes before you. He goes behind you. He, 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 he takes the rocks out of the way. Come on. He, he builds up a highway, the scripture says. He brings the mountains down. He brings the valleys up. He, he, he smooths it out. Jeremiah said this. And he prophesied and he was telling the nation of Israel. And he says, man... He says, he says uh, you guys need to be looking for the old path. The old path. The tried and the true path, one translation says. And if you find the tried and the true path, you're going to find rest for your souls. So many, you know, looking for the latest, the greatest, the new thing, whatever. Can I tell you something? The new thing ain't that new. What you need is you need to go back to the old path. God, what have you said in your word? What have you done in your word? Who are you? 
What does your word say you are? I'm going to believe that. You're my shepherd. You lead me, I trust you to lead me. You feed me, I'm going to trust you to provide for me. You're going to direct me and give me, give me guidance. You're going to speak to me. I trust that, Lord God. I'm not going to trust anything else. And I'm going to believe the ancient path, the old path, the well-worn path that, that saints of old have been on, apostles of old have been on, Jesus himself. That's all I need. That's all, that's all I need. I don't need. I don't need a little Jesus and a little something else. I just need Jesus. Just give him Jesus. I have you, Jesus. So I'm going to acknowledge who I am and what I have. You're my shepherd. You're my shepherd. Just finish this, the, 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 the message today. I love this thought, the last thing that I actually see from the New Testament. There might be a couple more, but this will be enough today. Is that Jesus is our blesser. Jesus is our blesser. Come on, somebody. Come on. Listen. Jesus is our blesser. Luke records in chapter 24 the last thing. Jesus has gone to the cross. Jesus has come back. He's, he, he's 40 days alive. You know, book of Acts tells us that. He's preaching, praying, prophesying, talking to his brothers and sisters, uh, you know, sharing the gospel with them again before he leaves for good. The last thing Jesus does in Luke chapter 24 that, that, that Luke writes that records, it says he led them out to Bethany. Check it out. He lifts up his hands and he blesses them. And the scripture says then he was caught up to heaven. Come on, the last thing Jesus does is he blesses his people. Come on, that's why, we'll, that's why so many times we just lift our hands. Come on, everybody, right there in your seat. Come on, just lift up your hands. We just lift our hands to you. We just, come on, just say it, I receive your blessing. Come on, I receive your blessing. Receive your blessing. Come on, where do we ever get the idea that we're under a curse? Last thing he did was bless us. Guess what he's still doing? Blessing you. Empowering you to prosper. That's one translation. In every area of your life. Prosperity, prosper means just simply things work. Things work. In the book of Acts, chapter 3. We see the early church got this. These brothers got it. Verse 26 says this. God raised up his servant Jesus and sent him to you first to bless you to bless you turn everyone away from doing evil he sent jesus to bless you religion says jesus is here to curse you to hurt you to take something away from you to just get you no yeah jesus god's gonna get you he's gonna get you with goodness he's gonna get you with the blessing come on we're gonna love the hell out of you Come on, somebody, you get it? Come on, love the hell out of you. Come on, right? Somebody's messing up going, uh, no, just keep them away. No, 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 come up here. We're going to love the hell out of you. That's what we're going to do. We're going to be just like Jesus. Come on, we're going to get the hell out of you. Not, 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 not get the hell out. We're going to get the hell out of you. That's what we do around here. Come on, everybody. Yeah. Send Jesus to bless you. Let's get that thought. That's what he's doing. He's our intercessor. He's our advocate. He's our high priest. He's our shepherd. He's our blesser. So Lord God, today, one more time, we just thank you for being with us. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. You're the name above all names. You're the king of all kings. You're the Lord of all lords. So Father, we just thank you today. 
for the person of Jesus, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your counsel from the word of God. We thank you that you heal bodies this morning. You change minds and work in situations here and on, you know, online as well. You're good, Lord God. You know no time. You're the God of eternity. Your word's settled in heaven. So, Father, we're going to be like what we read today. We're going to believe in our heart. and We're going to speak with our mouth. We're going to acknowledge every good thing that's in us because of who Jesus Christ is. You're coming down as an intercessor in every hole, every difficult situation that we ever find ourselves in, and you're getting us out. You're defending us and keeping us and speaking and telling us what to say as our great lawyer and advocate. You're a high priest continually. Your blood speaks of better things in heaven. We're redeemed. Our great, great shepherd, you lead and guide and feed us, continually care for us, protect us and deliver us. And you are our blessing. Oh my Lord, you are our blessing. What blessing is abounding for the people of God. We trust you today. Come on, stand with me. Would you do it one more time? Just keep your head bowed as we, anyone in the room, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you're away from him, your heart's maybe being challenged and enlarged today to turn your heart to him all over the room. When I count to three, you say, that's me, Pastor Gary. I want to be included in this prayer. I, I, I need a change. I've, I've, I've been away. I've been like a prodigal.